Uh, it's cool seeing the video just to know that we're part of something greater than ourselves. I mean, that's the whole reality of being part of the community of God is that we're part of something greater than ourselves. And to know that our little community here in Lincoln Park is part of something that's all over Chicago, but then that community is part of something that's going around the world. And so when we worship, when we pray, when we give, when we encourage, and all those different things, we're part of that. And so I just a short, simple video, but just a great reminder that God's doing things and how awesome it is to be a part of that. I want to, that's nothing to do with anything about church, but let me just give shout out and congratulations to, I know, Sebastian and Julia and other uh, Houston uh, fans. Congratulations on your win. I know there's a, Chicago, a lot of Chicago teams that have forgotten what that's like, and so uh, they are uh, living vicariously through you. Um, if you have been around here for a little bit, you can tell my voice is a little more bassy than it normally is. I've been struggling with a cold for the last week. Um, functional, but... Um, I, I sound like I'm going to start doing some smooth jazz, which you don't want me to do, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Next Steps, and before we get into this next message, I want to just pray and ask God to encourage our hearts, and so um, let's pray as we open up his word together. God, you are good, and we are grateful for that. I just, I'm grateful to be able to be in this place and grateful to be with these people and knowing we have some people online, God, and just how you've made this community. It's great to be a part of your family and your community, your church. And so I pray that you would bless all of us this morning with an awareness of your presence, um, that you would direct and our hearts toward you, um, that because of your death, Jesus, because of your resurrection, because of this new life with you, um, we have identities that are based in hope and joy and peace and something that we can share with one another and those around us. And so I pray that you would remind us of that this morning. I pray that you would encourage us with that this morning. Um, as we come in from the weeks that we've had and everything that they've contained, that we would be reminded of who we are and who we are in you and who we are in this place. As we open your word this morning, I pray that you would um, teach us, that you would guide us, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us. As we go through these habits, God, I pray that they would be helping to formulate us more and more in your image, to grow our relationship with you, to strengthen our community and who we are in this place. We just thank you for all of this. Uh, Spirit, move here. Uh, let us hear from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so like I said, we're in the middle of this series called Next Steps, and we're about halfway through it right now. And uh, we've been talking about different spiritual habits that are meant to help us to thrive in our relationship with God. Not things that people came up with, but things that God came up with. These are taught straight out of Scripture as far as do these things, not as little checkboxes, not as I accomplish this and let's kind of keep going. But these are different tools, practices, habits, things that we implement in our lives to make our relationship with Him stronger to help it to grow, for us to thrive in who we are in Him and with one another. And so we've been talking about things like daily reminding ourselves of who we are in Jesus. We've been talking about reading and meditating on Scripture. We talked about hospitality. And last week we talked about evangelism. It's, uh, we've been taking these one at a time, and there's been different challenges that have gone along with them. 
and it's a lot. And so if one, if you've missed any of these, I just want to encourage you to get the New Life app and go back and listen to some of those messages. We have all of the different uh, resources that we've been passing out throughout the weeks on the table in the back. So if you need any of those just to help implement them, um, I would encourage you to do that. And I hope that these haven't just been things that you've heard on Sunday, but that they, they're things that you've been able to do and that you've been able to practice these things. And maybe you haven't got to all of them, but to at least do one or two. And maybe even me saying that's the reminder to practice one of them. And Because you can't really, you know, the Bible talks about not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And we can't just talk about habits. We have to implement habits. And so hopefully this has been helpful and encouraging. Um, for today, if you've been around New Life Lincoln Park at all, like maybe for a, um, maybe a year or two, You've probably heard me talk about this habit before. If you've been around here for a while, I guarantee you have heard me talk about this habit, and you've probably heard me talk about it a couple times. Because the reality, and, and if you stick around here, you're going to hear me talk about it again in the future. Because I feel that this is just one of those things that we have to come back to and remind ourselves of something that's part of our faith, that's part of Scripture, that we have to continually come back to. And there's a lot of different things like that. Um, I mean, I've been here for almost 11 years now, and I, we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount multiple times. We've gone through the Ten Commandments multiple times. I've preached out of Colossians 3 more times than I can count. During the pandemic, we kept coming back to Psalm 42. There's just different things that we come back to, not because it's easy, but because we're forgetful and we need to be reminded. There's some things that we have to be reminded as far as who God is, about who Jesus is. We, it's why we take communion on a regular basis, that we need to be reminded, remind ourselves of the truth and the reality of the gospel, that Jesus died and rose again so that we can know forgiveness and we can know new life, that he took on shame so we can know joy and peace and hope. We forget that or we lose touch with its significance, so we do communion to remind ourselves of that. As we are forgetful people. That's why we're talking about this. It actually wasn't part of the official new life schedule of habits but I felt like we needed to include it because I feel like this is just one of those really, really important habits that we have to come back to because we are forgetful people. Um, that we, um, <coughs> we forget that busyness doesn't define us. We forget that busyness doesn't define us, that the things we stress over and we put hours into, that we get passionate about, that they're not necessarily bad things, but they don't define us, and they're not meant to define us. But we can put so much effort and energy into defining who we are based on things that we, put, we exert energy toward, and we forget that that's not how it's supposed to be. We also forget how to navigate life many times. We're so busy in the constant kind of in and out of different things and responsibilities and life and whatever that we have a constant sense, and within that, we have a constant sense of needing to be in control, of making sure everything is okay. Some have that kind of, I have to be in control, I have to be okay. Others, when the craziness of life comes, there's more of a lackadaisical outlook on life, not really thinking about it, let's just kind of go through it. And we forget how, to, how should we navigate through life as people who follow Jesus. We also forget what's most important in life and who we are, that we can become obsessed with different things that shouldn't gain our attention. And so if we forget that busyness doesn't define us, if we forget that, um, how to navigate life, if we forget what's most important, this forgetfulness affects our hearts. I mean, think about that this morning. How is your heart? 
How does the busyness of life, how does the chaos, how does constantly needing to do things, we're going into this really great season of the year that isn't busy or hectic at all called the holidays, and so that's all coming up. How does the stress get to you? How is your heart? The physical repercussions of stress, relationship repercussions, emotional and spiritual repercussions, we don't want these things ruling our lives or defining who we are, and so that's why we need this habit. And we're going to be talking today about Sabbath. Sabbath is one of the greatest gifts that we've been given to bring peace to our daily lives. And again, if you've been here around, if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me talk about this. And the reality is, is that we need to continually talk about this. We need to be reminded of this important spiritual practice of what it means to be the people of God, what it means to live life as people of God of God's care and control and love and mercy. Sabbath, to say six days, Sabbath, six days a person will work and one day we will take a rest. To say that Sabbath is just taking a day off completely misses the point. To say that it's not about working is to also miss the point and doesn't quite cut it. Why is Sabbath such an important truth in reality as far as having a relationship with the Lord? Well, the first thing is practicing Sabbath reminds us what is core, what is central, what is uh, most important as far as who we are as people, especially as people who follow the Lord. God knows, again, that we forget things very easily, and so he's constantly about giving us reminders, reminders for the big things. And so rainbows, bread and wine, communion, different things like that. And Sabbath is a reminder also. And the Old Testament tells us specifically what Sabbath is trying to remind us of. First off, Sabbath is a sign to remember creation. Sabbath is a sign to remember creation. In Exodus 31, it says, The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from the work, and rested. And so we see in the way it's talked about, it's tied directly back to the idea of creation. And we, so we need to look there and specifically how creation talks about time. And so if you look at Genesis 1, in the very beginning of it, in verses 3 to 5, it says this, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. This is the first day. And what did God create on the first day? Well, it tells us. He called this light day and he called this darkness night. And when you have that rhythm of day, night, day, night, day, night, what is that? That's time. What was created on the first day of creation? Time. He who is outside of time created time for us. He who is of eternal created a finite reality for us to exist within. And so he took the first day and he made time. And then in days two through six, time was used to create, to work, to bring order to the cosmos. And then on the seventh day, it says that time was used to rest. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And God rested from the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, this is not telling us that God was tired 
and he needed to take a nap. Not that there's anything wrong with us being tired and needing to take a nap, but that's not how, and that's how we would maybe project onto this, but that's not what it's saying about God. This is a picture of a temple. Again, this isn't written in 2022 Chicagoland or U.S. or any place in the world. This is written in an ancient context in their world. And so when they, we have to ask ourselves, how would they take this so that we can understand how to take it? And this was temple language. The people in this time believed that temples were made for deities to live in. Temple de- temples were made, and then they were dedicated. And they, the temple dedication ceremonies lasted for seven days, culminating on the final day, that seventh day, when the image of the deity would be brought into the temple to rest. And when a deity was resting in the temple, it communicated a very important truth, that there's no cosmos, there's no chaos in the cosmos. Everything is as it should be. Everything is where it's supposed to be. Everything is as it was meant to be made. And so the chaos is gone because everything is under his control and everything is under his reign. God is at the wheel. God is at the helm of the ship. God has made all of this and now he has taken his place in control of the universe. And so God doesn't just claim authority over one small garden, one small spot in Genesis 1. He's claiming control over everything. He created it, and he is over everything. His rest is not him withdrawing from creation. His rest is him saying, I am over creation. So Sabbath is a sign for us to remember. Remember what? God is in control. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is in control of all things. When life is, think about, you might not be in the midst of that right now, but I guarantee you have been or you will be at some point when life feels like it's out of control, right? When life is chaos, whether it's because something really out of the unexpected crazy happened or just the normal in and out of every week. Things seem chaotic and crazy, and we don't know how to handle it. To have a weekly reminder, God is in control. God is the one in control of all things. It's not on your or mine shoulders. It's on his. Sabbath reminds us of that. God shows that part of time should be used in creation to just be under his control. Not to work, not to feel like we need to continually produce, not to feel like we, I, have to get, I have to bring the, figure this out. I have to make this better. I have, no, just, just, just be there for a moment. Just take a, take a breath for a moment and trust the reality that God is under control. One of my spiritual heroes, and again, you've probably heard me quote this at some point. One of my spiritual heroes is named Mike Iaconelli. He has since gone to be with the Lord. But if you ever find a book by Mike Iaconelli, you should read it. And at one point, in paraphrasing, he said, one of the most spiritual things some of us can do is take a nap. Because by taking a nap, you acknowledge that the world will go on without you. And I would say that's, in, in essence, what Sabbath is. Is I'm going to step away and acknowledge that God has it under control And I can take that pressure off of myself for at least one day a week. And so Sabbath is a sign to remember creation, that God has made everything and he is under control. 
Sabbath is also a sign to remember redemption. Slaves in Egypt were brick-making machines all day, all month, all year, nonstop. And the people who first received this are people who had came out of Egypt, who survived the Exodus, who were being told stories about looking back. It says in Exodus 1, They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now, I don't know if you resonate with that. It sounds like I'm describing your job. I hope not. But there's a reality that with the Egyptians, this is what it was like. Their value came from their productivity. Their value came from their quota. They were owned. If you couldn't break, make bricks anymore, then you had no value. So who you are as a person in that setting, for those who were hearing this, is value was tied to you based on what you could produce, what you could make, your work. And if you couldn't work, if you couldn't do things, you were of no value. Thank goodness that that perspective is like an ancient thing, and we don't have that at all in our world today, right? You know the reality of that, and it's part of our culture. It says in Deuteronomy 5, when talking about Sabbath, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Those of you who found value, who were told that your value was in work, I am giving you permission, God says, to not work for once. I am giving you permission to not find your value in that. To have a relationship with God means you're not defined by your work. To have a relationship with God means you're not defined by what you produce. To have a relationship with God means you aren't enslaved, that you're free. And so Sabbath is a sign to remember redemption. What am I to remember? What's been done for me? That God has set me free from that perspective. That my identity is based in freedom in Jesus and not what I do and what I produce. I am not a machine. I am not a slave to the grind. I am a child of God and he loves me. And again, I don't know how this sits with your heart, but in our world and our culture, it's the opposite. What you do is what gives you value. What you produce is what you gives you value. I've done this and I've made my home like this and so my home is okay. I've done this with my kids and that means my kids are okay. I've done this with my job. I've done all these things and that gives me value. But what happens when I can't do those things? I don't feel like I have value. Do you remember two years ago when everybody, when the pandemic stripped everybody almost of what they could do and what they found their identity in? the amount of depression and chaos and difficulty that came in because people were finding value in things that couldn't actually give them value. And what Sabbath it gives us, Sabbath is a reminder, is you can't find value in those things. It isn't necessarily bad, but it's not who you are. Sabbath is a reminder to say, don't find your value in things that can't actually give you that. Find your value in being a child of God. Find your value in what Jesus has done for you, that he has given you life, that he has given you forgiveness. Sabbath is a reminder of creation and redemption. It's why the command says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God's commands paint a picture 
of what the relationship with him is like, what that covenant relationship was like. They help us understand him. We aren't under, no, we're not under the Old Testament law anymore and different things like that because of what Christ has accomplished. But the heart of the law is still important for us. Sabbath has been part of the DNA of creation since the beginning of time. Remember the Sabbath. Remember who's in control. Remember who gives you value. Remember where your life is at. I think that when, we, when you hear me immediately think about Sabbath, many of us, and because I, I, I've been there, and I'm even myself, I know what's happening. Oh, man, he's going to tell, tell us to take time off or take a day off. I can't do this. I can't do that because I have this, 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 and this going on. You cannot determine whether you can take Sabbath or on based on what you can't do. You need to determine whether you can what to do Sabbath because you need this. I need this. We need to be reminded that God is in control. We need to be reminded of where our value is. And the very things that push you to say you can't do Sabbath are the things that tempt you to find your value in other things. And that you need to be in control because, or those things need to be in control other than God. We need to be reminded that He is here and He is with you and He cares and He is going to guide you and He is in control of even the most chaotic of moments. And your value is not in your work. Your value is not in how obedient your kids are or their grades or if you got that promotion or what your neighbors think or how many volunteer accolades you have on your resume or anything like that. Your value is in the fact that Jesus died on the cross so that we can know forgiveness and new life. He took shame upon himself so we can have new identity. And because of everything that he's done, I have value. We need to be reminded of that. And any excuse that we come up with of not stopping to be remembered of that is the things that were our eyes are our idols that take our attention away from him. Practicing Sabbath reminds us of what is core. God is in control and my value is in him. Second thing, practicing Sabbath gives us a natural rhythm to refocus and to refresh. Looking into the New Testament, it says in Mark 2, Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The day is holy. The day itself is holy. Not a person, not an object. A block of time is set up as holy apart from other blocks of time. It's that day, that time that we Sabbath, it's the difference between days that drag on and those that you don't even realize time has passed. Have you ever been in the middle of something and you go, man, how, what time is it? And it's like, oh my goodness, eight hours later, two or three hours later, because you're not even thinking of time. Time isn't even an issue where I guarantee during work you're not, oh my goodness, six hours, this is great. No, it's how much longer before I, you know, we're so mindful of it. Think about even what happens in Genesis 1. Throughout the entire day, it says day and evening, day and evening, communicating the different days. But that day and evening description isn't used for the Sabbath day. It's as if time doesn't even occur. And that's the point. 
It's meant to be a regular moment of time when we forget about time and simply exist as God's children. Sabbath is about setting apart time to exist in the reality, like we said, that God's control and my value is in him. I am free. It's the day that informs all the other days of who we are, of who Jesus is, and that we are his kids. I don't produce or create anything from a work standpoint. I simply live. I simply be. I rest and I enjoy. We are human beings, the Sabbath tells us, not human doings. And so how does it help us refocus? Well, on Sabbath, I reorient my life to God. I have moments where I pray or I have moments where I, I'm with others, where we read scripture, where I just worship for a little bit or just be quiet and have moments to remind myself that God is in control and my life. Again, creation. I can step away. The very act of stepping away from some of those things that we're worried about. Again, God is in control. I reorient myself with who I am. My identity is not in what I produce. It's okay for me to step away from this work. It's okay for me not to focus on school right now. It's okay for me not to do this in this moment. Again, my identity is not what I produce. I look back and I look ahead. I refocus on what God has done in my life and what he promises to do in my life. How does it help us to get refocused and refreshed? Well, it limits our choices. If I'm going to practice Sabbath, that I'm going to step away from things and I'm limiting what I can do. I'm limiting myself to God, to family, to community, to creation. I'm establishing boundaries. This is a time when I'm going to say no to a lot of things so I can say yes to the most important things. And it's viewing time how God wants us to. It helps us to refresh and refocus because I'm stepping out of craziness and using time to remind myself of who I am and what's most important. Again, this reminder of creation and redemption, this picture of a God-centered life, how it allows us to refocus and refresh, we have to see it as an amazing gift, not something to begrudgingly do. If we begrudgingly do this type of a thing, then we're drastically missing the point. It is a gift from God. Exodus 31, observe the Sabbath because it's holy. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. We read that and it's like, whoa, that seems pretty harsh. I mean, is Bobby going to show up at our house with like a hit team to like take us out if we're still working and not having a Sabbath? I promise we're not going to do that. It does sound slightly, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. But the, why was this death penalty given for this? Because of their high value for the sanctity of life. And so to, re, to go against the sanctity of life is murder. And if you're murder, there's punishment for that. If you're not committing, if you're not practicing Sabbath, you're not valuing the sanctity of your own life. You're not valuing the sanctity of the life that God has given you and how that life should be given. It shows the utmost importance of this. So what does it mean to do Sabbath? I'm going to just step away. I'm going to take this time to enjoy my family. I'm going to take this time to enjoy the Lord. Maybe there's um, scripture that I'm going to read or some type of faith book that's going to encourage me. Maybe I'm going to have meal with friends and do that type of together or people in the church community. 
Maybe I'm going to do uh, have I'm going to I'm going to have fun. It's okay to have fun. In fact, I would say that on Sabbath, what are the things that you enjoy the most? That you just well, I love doing this. This gives me life and joy when I do this. Do those things on Sabbath, because give yourself permission to step away from I'm producing stuff and I'm enjoying the things that God has allowed me to experience and has put into my life. We have to have this time where I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop the chaos. I'm going to stop the work. I'm going to stop the assignments, and I'm going to rest. And so we have to have that rhythm, because if you don't have that rhythm, it's just going to be constant, just constant, nonstop. And you can't live like that. I can't live like that. You have to give yourself permission to Sabbath. And I'm saying it again, anything that you bring up as a reason why you can't do it are the things you need to Sabbath from. And we need to get our life in order so that we can practice Sabbath. That's the last thing. Practicing Sabbath must be intentionally prepared for and practice. <coughs> um, when you come to Israel with us, um, or if you read about this, and I really do hope that a lot of you are able to go, um, it's kind of, it is a countercultural experience to come to Friday when Shabbat, Sabbath, comes in. And so the stores and the markets are, are just crazy. There's so many people who are getting food and getting last-minute things and kind of wrapping things up and getting ready to go into the week. When it comes into getting to that last um, kind of couple hours before it comes, Shabbat uh, lasts for about 25 hours. It goes from sundown until the next day on Saturday when there's three stars can be seen in the sky. So that's when you know it's been a full 24, 24 hours, 25 hours. And during that time... People don't work. But it's not just even work. It's not even, it's, I'm not going to be doing anything of exertion that causes me to produce. Um, Hannah sent me a picture uh, that she found of a thermostat from Israel that was pre-programmed because you can't even push buttons like that on Sabbath because that would be doing work. Light switches are timered so that you can't even go and... The Old Testament talks about not producing a fire, and so to turn on lights is our equivalent of producing a fire. Elevators, when you go into hotels, there's a Shabbat elevator that stops at every floor uh, because to go and push the button would be to, to exert yourself and to work, to travel type of a thing. We look at that stuff and, they, and go, okay, that's just crazy. It's just a button. It's just flipping on a light. Why are you doing that? That just seems odd. But from the perspective of people who are doing this and practicing this and who are taking Shabbat serious, yeah, that's hard. Yes, that's inconvenient. But this is reminding me that I'm not working. I'm relying and trusting the goodness and the control and the provision of God. And you look at me that this 24 hours is really weird, that I'm not pushing these buttons, well, why is your phone still on during this time? And for all the craziness of things that you would say I don't do, this reminds me of how, how uh, that I'm not pushing these buttons. It reminds me of how tied to these buttons I am throughout the week. And so maybe some of the things that we would say is that's a little bit crazy are actually very profound and helpful and important. And so they prepare. They know I can't push this, I can't do this on this 24 hours, so I have to get ready for that. So again, things are programmed throughout the day. Meals are prepared where I can just grab them and eat. 
they have a whole, this Shabbat meal leading into it, and it's the most amazing meal of the entire week. But again, it's something that has to be prepared for, ready to go to where when it goes in, we can just eat this and do this together. And so in the same way, you have to prepare for this. If you're going to practice Sabbath is a little countercultural in our own lives because we're actually giving ourselves time off and actually taking time off. Typically what happens is, well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to take a day off, but then I'm going to do another side job or 12 more projects or all of this type of a thing. And actually taking the time and stopping and saying, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to give my permission, sell permission to do this. Sometimes you just can't do that that quickly. It's something that has to be prepared for. It has to be something that we do prep. And so in this, when you think about how, what does Sabbath look like for you, the first question to ask is, when will your Sabbath be? When will your Sabbath be? I would say that it doesn't have to be, it's not about the day, it's about taking a day. Six days God worked, and then one day he didn't. It isn't saying that God worked Monday through Saturday and then took Sunday off. It is, I think Sunday is a great idea for us in the idea that we have church, we have worship together, we're able to be part of the community. And so whether you take all of Sunday or whether you take from Saturday night to Sunday night, whatever that looks like, but having some time within this. We try to do it in our family as much as possible when we do this. We do it from Friday night to Saturday night because I'm typically a little busy on Sundays. And so it's a little bit different. But in that sense, it's we know, okay, from the kid, our kids know that from Friday when they get home from school to Saturday night, the word homework will not be uttered in our house. We won't even bring it up. We won't ask them if they have things to do. We won't ask them how the, you know, what's not missing or anything like that. We want them to know. We don't, we don't talk about that stuff over this next 24 hours because we don't want to be thinking about tasks. We don't want you to be thinking about tasks. And so it's, we're not even going to go there. So we have that blocked off. When can you block off a period of time? Again, this is new for some of you, or maybe it's something you haven't done in a while. So it might not be able to do a full 24 hours. So what does it look like to do like a morning to evening? What does it look like to do even an eight-hour chunk? But to have some block of time where I'm going to be in here and I'm going to, be, I'm going to step away from things during this time. And again, all of the reasons why you're coming up with right now of not doing that are the reasons why you need to do it. All of the things that you're, are coming up into your mind as far as I need to accomplish this, what about this, what about this project, those are the things it's okay to give yourself permission to step away from. And so when is your time frame going to be? The second question is, what will you do on your Sabbath? Again, it should be entirely different than the other days. Again, the day should be about joy, about celebration, about community. It's not about inactivity. It's not about not doing anything. It's not about being bored for the Lord for 24 hours. It's about refreshing you. It's about reminding you. And so what things, what talents or experiences has God put into your life that I really do, I enjoy this. I love this. And do that. It might be things that are unique to you, whether they're hobbies or art or um, whatever, whatever type of a thing is. I remember when over the pandemic, our, our kids, we really, I, I do, I mean, we do Legos. And so we would do Legos and we would just play with Legos. And that was fun. Me and my kids will play video games together. We're a movie family. So we watch stuff together. I know that we, 
our, because of sports, our, our schedules have gotten a little bit off, but we did it for a good stretch of time where Friday night became Chipotle and TV tray night. And so I would walk a couple blocks away to the Chipotle by our house, bring that up. We would set the TV trays up in front of the couch, and we would just watch stuff on Friday nights. That was our Friday night. Kids aren't talking, worrying about homework. We're together. Maybe we would play a game or whatever like that. We would let them play games. But we are intentionally not doing stuff. We enjoy that together. What do you enjoy? We've been talking about, I know that when um, our family was really blessed to go to Israel this past summer, and the one thing, I know my daughter Bailey, the one thing that she absolutely loved was the idea of Shabbat, going to these people's homes and having dinner with these people and seeing what that was. And we've talked about what does it look like for us to connect with people on Friday nights or maybe for lunch on Saturday that we bring people in and this isn't for an agenda, but just to be together, that type of a thing. What can you do? What can you do to connect with God? What can you do to connect with your family? What can you do to connect with others? What can you do to connect with the creation that God has placed you within? One of my friends who used to be one of our New Life pastors, he loved gardening. And it wasn't like, I need to go do all these projects at home. It's just he loved doing that. And so that's what he would do on Saturdays in the summer. He would garden. That's definitely, that seems like work to me, so that's not what I would do for Sabbath. But it was something that filled him and he enjoyed. What is something that you can do? You need to Sabbath. I know a lot of your stories. I know the schedules. And even those of you don't, you're in this context, so it's probably like the ones I do know. All of the reasons why we say we can't do this, we need to reorganize things and rethink things so that we can do this. We need to, I, I posted this article on our Facebook group talking about um, the difficulty of church. And it's hard sometimes to get here and you don't feel like doing it and you don't want to do it and all kind of thing. And that's part of it. Some of, the, some of the greatest God stories, some of the greatest faith moments started with, start with the sentence, you know, I didn't really feel like going, but. How many of you have ever had that experience? I didn't really feel like going, but. It's hard sometimes. I mean, it's great now. You got an extra hour of sleep. It's going to be hard in March when we go the other way with the clocks. It's difficult. It's hard to do Sabbath. But the difficulty cannot be an excuse to not do it. The difficulty, whether it's kids and sleeping habits or mountains of homework or projects or whatever that might be, that stuff is always going to be there. So we have to stop allowing that to be what guides us, and that should be a heart check for us. That should be a heart check for us. If we're constantly saying no to God and no to community time, and no to Sabbath because of all these things, then that's the thing that's most important to us, not our relationship with God. And I don't say that to guilt us or to shame us. We just need to have a heart check. If God is who is what's most important to our lives, if God is guiding us, then we need this time away from the chaos to be reminded of who he is, reminded of his control, reminded of who we are in him, to be able to connect with our Lord, connect with family, connect with friends, connect with community, and be refreshed and refocused. Of all the different challenges, this is the challenge for this week, and it's going to be the hard one. When can you Sabbath? When are you going to do this? It might have to be midweek, maybe it's Friday to Saturday, maybe it's Saturday, maybe it's Sundays. 
But when are you going to Sabbath? And so that's the challenge for this week is to figure these things out. That going into next week that you have a block of time and you're going to turn the, maybe it means turning the phone off. Or maybe it means, this, I don't know how the Android stuff works, but on Apple, I know you can put the focus mode on. So I'm going to block everybody out, but a couple of really key point people, family member was whatever, and no one's going to, I'm not going to get any notifications for the next 24 hours. And I'm just going to do this. You can prepare for it. You can plan for it. You can make it happen. We just have to do it. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When it talks about yoke there, it means a way of life, how we conduct ourselves, how we go about our day to day. Take my life upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my life that I provide is easy, and my burden is light. God wants to give you a, a, a life that flourishes, that's thriving, that finds rest and peace and joy in him. And he wants to give you a day where you can be reminded of that. And so I pray that you take that. Let's pray together. God, you're good. Again, we're just so grateful to be here with you and to be able to be in your presence together as a family. God, I know the, the craziness and the, of schedules in this place, the different navigating sports schedules and class schedules and work schedules and other things and all the different interruptions and all of it. God, I pray that you would help us to put you in first. I pray that you would help us to have courage to be faithful to what you've said to us, that we would make the time to just be in your presence, that we would make the time to be with one another, that we would, be, would make the time to be reminded that you're in control and we have life in you. God, we, we need you and we need you more than we realize. We need you and we need rest in you more than we realize. So I pray that you would make that real to us today. I pray for the thoughts and the conversations and the plans that go in from this, that this would not just be words that we hear, but it's something that we do, God. And so help us to follow through with that. It's in your name we pray, amen. Uh, let's stand together and we're gonna close with this last song.